What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from Off Guard, and I've got some exciting news. Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy Pasha Hagigi, is officially moving to our own podcast feed. We are now dropping two shows every week. Me and Pasha go way back and talk so much hoops already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on these conversations. Every week, Pasha and myself will hit on the biggest stories happening around the league. Tap into the show twice a week on our new Off Guard feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me on this Tuesday morning from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Sphere, Kevin! I heard last night that you called Daryl Morey and said, hey, I really don't want to talk about the Grizzlies being winless. <laughs> Can you do something to help us out, please? I don't want to open the show talking about Memphis being 0-4. Oh, no. I just please, watched. I, I Daryl, Darryl, please. The Mavericks just hit another three as we are recording. <laughs> please, um, Daryl. More I heard, <laughs> I heard Woj this morning uh, saying that this poor guy working for the people he said that he was at the Newark airport. He was going to have to fly out <laughs> to ESPN. You know he's got to be so frustrated with this because this happens at 2 a.m. his time. He's at the Newark airport. He said he stayed at the airport until 3.30 in the morning. They had kicked him out of the lounge. They're shutting down the airport, everything. And then finally, he gets the story filed, and then he just goes home. And so now he's got to try to find another flight back to Los Angeles. And he said, this is the second time this happened because you will recall we were both out at Summer League that crazy year where we were actually still awake when that Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, all that big stuff came together. And it was, again, the Clippers. The Clippers, like, do these deals in the middle of the night when they do them. And so (laughs) for the majority of us... (laughs) We woke up to the news this morning and that James Harden had been traded and that James Harden, along with P.J. Tucker and Flip Petrasev, are leaving the Philadelphia 76ers and they are going to the Clippers. And in return, the Sixers are going to get Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, Nicholas Batum, K.J. Martin, a 2028 unprotected, uh, two second-round picks, uh, pick swap in 2029, and then an additional first-round pick 
which the details are still being worked out, that coming from a third team. So we do know all the details now, Chris, that that 2026 pick from the Clippers is actually the worst of a first from the Clippers, the Thunder, or the Rockets. And they also have the 2028 unprotected from the Clippers, as you said, and then they have a 2029 swap best of Clippers or Sixers pick. They also have their own first in 2024, 2026, 28, and 30. So ahead of this year's trade deadline, they have the ability to trade up to three first round draft picks. And then next offseason, they could trade four first round draft picks. So it's a, a good position to be in. They have more flexibility right now. Um, that swap in 2029 is going to be very valuable. They also have eight second round draft picks uh, through 2030. They have three in 2029, two in 2024. They, they have flexibility here to make some moves ahead of the deadline. And then they have even more draft capital next offseason to make a bigger move unless if they don't choose to do anything in the meantime. But a good position for Philadelphia to come out of this with flexibility. So when we recorded late last week, I was the one that was saying, just do something, pull the trigger, move on with this some way, somehow. You were preaching patience on this. Do you feel like this was worth not having patience on it and that Morey got a reasonable return for the services of Harden. I think getting two first-round draft picks plus a swap in the deal makes it worth it. Um, I mean, like I wrote on The Ringer on Monday about how James Harden's best choice is to go back to this new Sixers situation, which we'll talk about a little bit later with their new offense. Um, And in that, I mentioned how for the Sixers, they should be patient here. Getting two first-round draft picks and a super valuable swap if you have the rights to the Clippers first in 2029 with the ability to swap for Philadelphia to offer that to other deals to say, hey, you get the best of our pick, the Clippers pick, and your own. Like uh, the Clippers, who knows? Kawhi could be retired by then, and Bede could be playing for another team. That pick could be incredibly valuable in 2029 from the Clippers or the Sixers. So I think to get all of this, they effectively get two-and-a-half first-round draft picks with the two from the Clippers and the Thunder with a three-way, and then the swap. That That's really, really, really good value. And then you get two second-round draft picks on top of that. So now you have two seconds in 2024, a second in 27, a second in 28, three seconds in 2029, and then your own second in 2030. That's a lot of draft capital to have and package together ahead of the deadline or with the additional first next summer uh, that you could give up four of them. Um, so getting three now or two now, depending on how you work it out, and then four next summer, um, that suddenly Sixers have a little bit of draft flexibility. It obviously does not make them better in the short term. That being said, I do think that this is going to have to be judged after they make their deal, whatever that deal is. Yes, because I when agree. you look at this, you, you know, those players on the surface are not wowing anybody. And so on the surface, it looks like, oh, wow. You know, I know there's some sentiment like, oh, they got fleeced or whatever. Like, look, this got to play out. Those are all expirings. That's one thing that we, you know, really made me notice. Like, all right, what do these things have in common? Morris is an expiring. Covington's an expiring. Batum's an expiring. So this is all Either you can package together, you've got the salaries and the picks to be able to package it together to a team that's willing to give you something, uh, hopefully a star. 
Hopefully you have enough to make a star package um, with a bunch of picks and with expirings so that people can have that come off of their books when they move said star. Because he did, look, he said, I have to get a star back. Well, if you don't get a star back, you better get the ammo to be able to get a star back. And we're about to find out if they got, yeah, we're about to find out. Did they get the ammo to get a star back? Because if they did, then you don't have to get the star back. For Harden, you've got the goods to be able to go get one elsewhere. And so I feel like you're going to have to see what they do with this stuff and judge it upon that. And I do think that they need to do something, you know, this year. This is not like a wait and see on this. You know, you only have a finite amount of time that Embiid's going to be one of the best, you know, five to ten players in the league. And so I think you want to take advantage of that um, sooner than later. And again, it's ideal. It's ideal, Chris. You're right. It's ideal for them to use that ammo this year before the trade deadline. Like, I, I think yeah. I think that they goes They can't win saying. with what they have against the best teams. Sure. They can make the playoffs and be yeah. a competitive team. Like, the Nick Nurse re- revisions to the offense, like I wrote about on Monday, dribble handoffs are way up. They're, they're, they've tripled their dribble handoffs from last season. Maxi, as we talked about last week in our first impressions, looks more like an all-star at this point. Embiid has like, doubled his assists per game. He has the ball in his hands in space. The Sixers are cutting and moving. They look really good offensively. They look really good. Even without Harden, they look really good. So like, they, they're good enough to make the postseason with Embiid and Maxi and their supporting cast that they currently have. But to win the finals, to your point, they have to add another guy. And they're in a position now where they can at least be competitive for a guy that can become available ahead of the deadline. But the fact is, is that they they don't they don't need to make a deal though, because if they wait until the summer, they could have $55 million in cap space. Uh top free agents could be guys like from you can't the Clippers. Wait, you can't waste but, another but, 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 year. But listen, but you could. If if no. you if you need to, you could wait to sign Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, OG Ananobi, DeMar DeRozan, Pascal Siakam, Clay Thompson, LeBron James. I mean, like, there's just a bunch of free... Those are the free agents available. It's not a great class. They're better off making a trade. All I'm saying is that the plan B of waiting for cap space to pursue free agents is there, and the the plan B to wait for trades in the offseason is there as well because you'll also have that 2024 pick available to move. So like the the Sixers have some options. Um, they can deal the two firsts ahead of the deadline plus the swap so they can give three firsts ahead of the deadline. Then they can change to four firsts after the deadline next summer. So they have different options and different paths here. And I think for Philadelphia, that equates to a victory getting those numbers of first-round draft picks. It was worth getting this deal um, now rather than waiting. I'm not so sure you could have done better than this. Uh, So clearly the Clippers, a team that wasn't willing to give up Terrence Mann, they did clearly want Harden. They clearly did want Harden um, to give up all of this draft capital. Like They are really stripped in the future. They got pretty much nothing. Not mm-hmm. to mention that Harden's a free agent in a couple of months. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard have player options for next season. Like they got nothing 
from here moving forward of their own. Um, clearly an all-in move for them to, to give up all of this draft capital. Um, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, they're, risky. They're not worried risky. about the future. They're not they're worried not about at the all. future right they're, now. They're all-in right now, dude. And I will tell you this. Uh, th- this is where we split ways. If, if you're Moray, you have to do something this year. You have to. Because at that point, but you, but, but you, what, like you can't do anything dumb though, is what I'm saying. I understand, you, but you're getting farther away from having a chance at a title if you if you don't. And you you look you got guys looking around going, all right, this is a team. You know, my team is has not been able to build out around me. I'm starting to lose a little bit of trust in this. If you're Joel Embiid, I just don't think you can. You can't have a season where he goes in with what he's got right now, gets bounced in the first or second round again, because then you're playing with fire. Because then it's like, hey, just trust me. Wait till we get to free agency, and then what? Then if then if you can't sign somebody or you can't bring the goods, then it's like you're you're really stretching it, especially with these stars now and. Because you lost, and, and and look, I don't like use, losing Tucker either. I mean, that's two guys that you would have had to go into a fight with. Uh, you know, when it comes playoff time, whether or not they're contributing Tucker's a solid. lot during the regular season, he's a guy that's going to be in the game in the playoffs. Yeah, but he's he's, he's not he's not you. he's not his prime level PJ Tucker. No, though. but mean, he's going to play he's for not you. anymore. But he shoots like he barely shoots. He's not a shooting threat. Um, he's not the level of defender that he once was. You're right. He's still a tough guy. He's still a tone setter. But like I don't, I don't think the Sixers are without tone setters. Like they still have Melton and Bead's a tone setter. Uh, they they still have like you what added tone. Some, you added some tone setters. What on, tone is Embiid setting? I mean, what? He's a great shop locker. He's doing the suck it DX uh, oh celebration. That was that, that, that's, that's, that's bully ball stuff. Like, you know what I mean? He wasn't doing suck it versus the Bucks. Right? He was loafing back down the court. Yeah. Throwing, but I, you know, doing tip passes but, but and then this, watching them flip the game But on this him. speaks to the point that we're overall talking about, though. You get off the Tucker deal next season and I'm you sorry. open up all this cap space. It, it, it is about this season, but it's also about next summer as a backup plan if there's nothing that you can do this season. Uh, like If it is about this season, who are the guys that, that you think would make sense for them to target? Because the top guy on my list is Zach Levine as the most realistically acquirable name that fits their style of play. Is there anybody else that, that you think about that Philly should go after before the deadline? Oh, I, I like the Levine one. Um, you know, I think you can mess around with the margins too without giving a bunch up, right? Like I think you can move like on Malcolm those. Brogdon, that type of guy, like a Brogdon, Boyan Bogdanovich, healed. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah, Bogdanovich. I was just listening to somebody else. You know, that's yeah, 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 yeah. Gar- like Gary like- Harris, what goes off yesterday for the Magic? He's shooting the heck out of it again. Guys like that is what you're saying. Yeah, I'm saying like you. It doesn't like. Look, you're going to obviously want to get a star, but I also think that you've got some goods that you can play with to mess around with the edges. You've just got to make this roster better. You've got to give him a better chance at winning a title while you've got these prime years. Because I think we both agree. If I put the over-under on, he's one of the be- he's one of the healthy best players in the league, and I said over-under two and a half years. It's a lot of, you know, 
it, it, that's a it's a fair line. You know, there's new guys coming into the league. There's new stars developing constantly. And it's like, you've got the reigning MVP. You can't give him a worse team the next year to compete with than he had the year before. Mm-hmm. That's what we've learned. Or else those guys rightfully, that's the only time I support it. Much like, you know, and he kind of said his piece this last summer, you know, much like, uh, much like Giannis did. And I think if the, the, those things go hand in hand. If you're sitting back, you're going, man, Miami was just in the finals and they were going for it. They were trying to go get Damian Lillard and they didn't get it. And well, Boston was, was playing in the Easter conference finals and they went for it. They went and got Porzingis and they went and got Drew Holiday and Giannis you know, got bounced, and his team went out and got him Damian Lillard. My team got bounced, and we lost, you know, two veterans off of our team. And, you know, the guy that was supposed to be my running mate, I love that Maxie's gotten better and better, but, I mean, we got to have more if we're going to go into this fight. Get like At least just make it a fair fight. Give me a chance. Um, And I think that's the situation you'll be in if you don't improve this roster this year to give him a chance to win the title. And, again, I think you probably got the ammo to do that. You know? I think you do. And you could go get, and and there's other guys too, right? Like, you know, with those expirings and firsts, somebody's going to go, and we talked about some of these teams. Somebody's going to go and, uh, you know, give an expiring and some picks for, like, the Jeremy Grants of the world and go pick them off, right? Yeah. And then you got a wing, and then you got a, that's the kind of stuff that you can do. I OG do and Obi, somebody like that right. ahead of his free agency. Well, uh, you got to give up five first rounders yeah. for that. Or, or, or Pascal Siakam, you got to give up eight. You got to give up eight. For, yeah. That's right. <laughs> but there, there's a, there are interesting guys. You're right. There's a, like you mentioned Buddy Heal, like Dorian Finney Smith, guys yeah. like that. Um, but, but ultimately, like Daryl Morey, he said it, I'm pretty sure, in a, what it was a radio interview over the mm. summer. He's like, we need either a star. Or the picks to go get a star. Um, I mean, like, I, like depending on your uh, uh, definition of star, the, you might not consider Zach Levine a star, but he's a big name player who's a you know a twenty plus point per game guy who can drop 25, 30 points, who can shoot the heck out of it. Uh, he's he's uh, a two time All Star, um, so he kind of qual- uh, to me like Levine's the guy. He's the one that makes the most sense because he can kind of share creation responsibilities with Tyrese Maxey um, in the backcourt. They can, he can play off ball. He's a smart cutter. He's a lob threat. He's a great shooter off the catch. Defensively, I think some of his flaws have been improved on over the years. I've been cr- very critical of, of Levine in the past. When he's locked in, he's at least average, um, where I think within the Sixers ecosystem with all of their versatility and bead protecting the rim and all that, it can work. To me, Levine's the number one target, but Jeremy Grant... That that's a really interesting one too, because Grant can provide something different. There might be too much overlap uh, between Levine and Maxi. Grant, with his size, defensive versatility, uh, he can still score. He can still. We saw him, you know, be a twenty-plus point per game guy with the Pistons. Uh, we've seen him be a high-level role player with the Nuggets. We've seen him be a kind of a hybrid version of that next to Dame with Portland. Grant might be actually the best target. Um, overall, it's just he's even more pricey of a contract. And I think Grant will also have more competitors for him 
than Zach Levine would. Um, but I think I think both are acquirable for Philly. I do. Like, I think they I think they have enough picks to get one of those guys. Um, I don't. It's not like. I don't think the Thunder or the Pelicans or one of these teams with a ton of first-round draft picks are going over the top for Jeremy Grant or Zach Levine. I think the Sixers can go get him if they want him. Jump into the NBA action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. Plus, all customers get three months of NBA League Pass courtesy of FanDuel when they place a $5 bet on the NBA. That way, you can watch all the action as you bet on everything from point spreads to player props. Best of all, you get paid your winnings instantly. So don't miss your chance to get $150 in bonus bets plus three months of NBA League Pass. Just visit FanDuel.com slash mismatch and tip off the NBA season right. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Limit one pass per customer. Restrictions apply. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. NBA League Pass local blackout restrictions apply. All right, let's talk about the other side of this, the Clippers who have been admittedly fantastic thus far. Um, I was reading an article this morning saying that the usage rate is already down for George and Leonard, and yet they are getting the best shots of their careers. And that's now. And so then it was it was Pelton's article where he's kind of breaking down the trade that took place from an analytical perspective. And, you know, we know the usage rate historically for both those guys as well as Westbrook. And now you are adding in a guy with one of the highest usage rates ever. And so one of the things he said is, you know, Harden will probably be the guy that has to sacrifice the most um, in this deal. Now, he is evidently thrilled with the situation. I tweeted this morning. It is, it, it is baffling that he can quit in every situation and somehow end up where he wants to be. Like, uh, it's he doesn't get traded to, like, Charlotte or even, like, when the stuff, you know, when Kawhi didn't want to go to Toronto, but then he went and did it and then he won the title anyway, right? Or, I mean, you get, there's 30 teams to send him to. This guy, like, literally says, this is where I want to go. And, and whether it's putting on a fat suit or it's, like basically sitting down on the court in Brooklyn and just <laughs> refusing to play, or in this case, like, like a protester gluing yeah, their hands to the ground. Yes, yes. <laughs> in this case, just like diabolically showing back up, getting everybody to report he's doing the right things so that you can't find me, you can't really suspend me. You're going to have to play me. And then when you play me, I'm just going to dog it <laughs> until you move me. Like, and somehow he gets to go to his preferred destination every time. He doesn't get sent to like some rat team he would be miserable on. He gets to go exactly where he wants to go. And so here he is with the Clippers. Is this the right choice for him? Like, like I wrote yesterday. I said earlier that Harden, his best choice would be to go back to the Sixers, embrace yeah. playing in that nurse offense, 
take some of what he used to do way back in the day with OKC. He was a dominant cutter, off-ball off guy, off-screens. Take a little bit of that. Bring it back with what you do now. It, 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 was that, in, in, in a perfect world, his best choice? In most people's situations, most players that we analyze, the number one thing that I would answer that question with is an answer to, is this his best chance to win? Because that is typically what is most important to the players. This is a extenuating circumstance in which I have to analyze the situation based upon what he cares about, which is not winning. What he cares about, and I think if we're trying to meet his goals, which is, I can be like the fourth guy. If I come with tequila on my breath in the morning, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> and if I play like shit or I don't feel like playing, it doesn't oh, matter. Man. If we choke in the playoffs, they're not going to blame me. Like, if all those are the goals, yes, they are all 100% reachable. Now, in most situations, you would say, is his best chance to win or play his best basketball? Or be a part of a team that has a chance at winning a championship. He also cares about making money. Is his chance to restore his value best with the Clippers or the Sixers? I think the Sixers would have been better had he fully embraced that style of play. But that's the biggest if possible and the greatest unlikelihood. Like writing about that, I even acknowledged in the article, like this is isn't going to happen in all likelihood. He should, but he probably won't. And the Sixers have moved on from that style of play that worked for Harden. Now it's Harden's choice, right? So right. the Clippers are in a situation where it's not like that type of motion movement based offense that the Sixers are playing with right now. The Clippers are a bit more uh, your turn, my turn. It's not like isocentric. They still have some movement based packages, but I th- I think the Clippers at this point, yes, you're right. He won't be necessarily blamed but he would be blamed if he's taking touches away from Kawhi Leonard and Paul George giving them they're the, they're the they're the most efficient shot creators on that team and guys who can score particularly Kawhi and adding James Harden to that if he's having some games where he's choking in the playoffs it, he w- could get blamed he could well, be the guy that gets no, blamed no no because here's the thing i and i'm going to give him credit for evolving as a player He helped Embiid win that MVP last year. He did. He's playmaking. And he he led the league in assists. He did evolve. He has. And that's why I I felt like maybe there's more evolution to his game. That's why I I feel like there's a lot more. He might pass more, but I still think, how about shooting off the catch from three? How about that? That'd be nice. and, And wouldn't it be crazy if they both evolved simultaneously? Like the idea that they would be the third and fourth leading shot takers. Russell on the Westbrook team. and James yeah, Harden. I mean, yes. Yeah. yeah. And for all the talk of the two of them mm-hmm. and how their careers have kind of intersected, you know, twice now. Twice. Yeah. Twice now, now. And now three and now three times. Yeah. <laughs> how and, crazy and, is that? And the very famous, you know, uh MVP debate yep. that went on when when Westbrook won his. And absolutely so, should have been Harden. It's kind of crazy to see how this is evolved, but I do think he is he he's moving more into a background role with um with the Clippers and I mean look they're loaded up and they can lose a guy to injury 
or they can sit their guys for their rest and still have guys that can go out there and get it done. Like you saw last year, and we goofed about it, or at least I did, during the playoffs. Like you saw Harden in that moment where Embiid went out for that playoff game in game one, and he just set the Celtics on fire. And it was like, oh, God. Like, if it is just James and it's James-centric, he still can do this, but that's what it's going to take in order to. But I think it's a lot more like what he was like in Philly, maybe even less. Like, we're talking about him having to sacrifice. He's not going to have the ball all the time. Um, He's going to be knocking down threes, and I think he's going to be, you know, keeping the ball moving. And so um, I wouldn't. I don't envy Ty Lue. That's going to be easy. That's not going to be the easiest thing to keep four happy. Um, Clearly, they I, wanted it though. Clearly, they, did. they they want it. Like I, I think that that's part of the ele- the human element here. Like they, it's not like they don't talk to Kawhi Leonard and Paul George about it. Should we add James well, Harden? Paul George. <laughs> oh, yeah, cool. No, I I think Kawhi would have a voice here. That he I think he it. probably the, the, said whatever. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I, I, and, and look. Do what like, you want. Leave me alone. I, I, to me, I, I think the Clippers, this is obviously a monumental risk. They have virtually no draft capital moving forward into the future. Harden's a free agent next summer. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George can both be free agents. Like they, they, Those guys could potentially all leave, or even if they re-sign, it doesn't mean that you're going to sustain contention considering their injury history and how what age they are at this point. But you weren't winning a championship this year without raising your ceiling with James Harden. Harden is a far better player at this point of their careers than Russell Westbrook. It's not even a debate. So uh, for the Clippers, this is a victory in the sense that you raise your ceiling for this season. But boy, oh boy, like the risk is like... I I don't know. Is it? It is. is. You have basically no picks. I get it. The Heat never have any picks. It's a risk. They're a three-pointer away from going to three out of four Hard, finals. Harden has... There's different just, ways to do this, you, you know? You, you just described it, how Harden has pushed his way out of different situations. It could get ugly for him with the Clippers, too. For sure. I mean, it just did with Philly. Yeah, no, it could happen with the Clippers in a year and a half or next summer. Yeah. Like, the, it could happen It could happen before the trade deadline that, for some reason, him and Kawhi and or him and Paul George or him and Russ have friction again and the locker room gets weird. I like that stuff like that could happen pretty quickly. Uh, but, like, they had to do it. They could just trade him back to Philly. <laughs> and Daryl could be like, all right, quit on them and let's be friends again. I mean, it's it's gonna it's gonna be like I think the one thing for like the other factor for the Clippers here is that by having Harden, you have more star depth, right? Like I think yeah. if if Kawhi misses a week or Kawhi needs a rest day, uh, you do have more guys who can elevate their roles, um, like like with Harden now. Like I think that that is a big factor here with the amount of depth that they have, and then like off their bench, like. Norm Powell's a good player. Bones Highland looks like a sixth man of the year candidate right now. Granted, we're less than a week in. I mean, he looks good. Like they, they and have like said, some look, depth. Tucker's gonna play for them. Yeah, Tucker's solid. He's better than Rob. I mean, look, like he's better than Robert Covington. He's better than Nick Batum. Uh, they they threw Tucker on Jokic last year. Yeah, Philly did. Yeah, but nobody I mean, stops Jokic. 
I understand, but I mean, he did about as admirable a job as you can. And, and that, and that's the thing that now the Clippers have flexibility because, like, sort of like they did with the existing guys, but especially with Tucker, you can play with a big in Zubats, but now, and then you have a backup big in Plumley. But now you have Tucker, where you could go with a lineup of Tucker at the five, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Terrence Mann, James Harden, like that. That's a super versatile five man uh, lineup with Tucker at the five, that you can play five-out spacing and still have an interior presence with him if necessary. Got all of four guys who can attack off the dribble. Even Terrence Mann yeah. can attack closeouts. Like, they, it gets... They, Ty Lue has a lot of lineup flexibility with the Tucker edition. Where the Clippers, they do belong in the in the pile of teams that feel like they have a chance to win the championship. They're in no way the favorite. Uh, in that sense, it doesn't really change the the championship uh, 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 odds necessarily. Like Denver's still by far the favorites in the West. But if it's Denver and then, they got as good a chance as anybody else. 100% truth. They're right there. They are right there. And in a seven-game series... Who knows what happens? Like so much can swing your way with like a hot shooting streak, guys missing a game or two, and that's what the Clippers are doing by raising their ceiling. Or, or like Daryl Morey, what was the phrase he used years ago? Risk profile. Their yeah. risk profile uh, is increased and decreased. Like they could they could fall apart, but they also could be this juggernaut in the playoffs. If James Harden is indeed as his people have been hyping up the entire summer, his agent said Harden's doing two a day workouts in the best shape of his life all reports everything i personally heard everything that was reported from others were that in his like pretty much lone training camp practice he looked really good he looked good uh so i think with harden if he is indeed in really good shape and if he does start doing some of the things that he needs to do like he needs to start shooting threes off the catch if Kawhi leonard is isolating on the right wing and harden's on the left wing or in the left corner you have to be willing to shoot threes off the catch at a minimum you got to do that he can't stop the ball all the time like he's been doing in recent years. But if Harden starts incorporating some of that, you mentioned how he's he evolved to cut down on the scoring and increase his playmaking. Bring back a little bit of that, and this could be a very juicy situation for the Clippers. Um, but we'll see. I look forward yeah, to seeing I what happens. I just think I think a lot of the negatives from him get covered up. You can hide him on defense now because the other guys are going to be playing hard and are pretty versatile and. Uh, you know, end of game situations. Kawhi's the guy. If Kawhi's, you know, he's like kind of the third guy in the mix now, and and might even be the fourth. Obviously, when Russ gets uh, gets to deciding that he wants to uh, take it into his own hands, but uh, it's not it's not the easiest job for Ty Lue, But I do think that they are they loaded, man. They got a lot at their disposal because they got a lot of good players and a lot of ways to massage that and figure it out and. Again, they got firepower, man. Like in the end, and and I also think three of those guys, you know, George doesn't have an extension, and Kawhi doesn't have an extension, and Harden doesn't have an extension. That's three guys, so it behooves them to make it work for sure. Um, in a way that is a little bit different if you've got a three-year, four-year contract. That's what I'm saying. Um, and so I guess we will see the way it all uh, plays out. Uh, you know, before this all went down, and you did write that you thought it was in Harden's best interest to go back to Philadelphia, you did chronicle that 
you know, you were really looking forward to how Nurse was going to change things. And one of the opening um, observations from the first couple of games of the season was that stat that you had where they were heavy, heavy pick and roll team. That, of course, by virtue of having James Harden, but that they have really altered to a lot more dribble handoffs. In fact, one of the highest rates in the league and a lot more movement. What do you like about what Philly looks like now in this new version with Maxi averaging 30 points a game and shooting 56% from three so far? <laughs> Again, it's just a couple games, but even in the couple games, you could tell what's different already. I mean, I, I think with the Doc Rivers offenses in recent years, what was so frustrating was just the lack of off-ball movement. And I, this year, at a minimum, you got like, there's a play in one of their games this weekend where Maxi fed the ball to Embiid at the left elbow, and he got double teamed immediately. And then Kelly Oubre cut to the basket, and Embiid found him from the double team. You got situations where Maxi's pushing the ball up past, past half court at the 21 second mark. He's not walking it up. They're pushing it up. They're getting into their sets early. And he gave the ball to Embiid, who attacked immediately. The, the paint was completely packed. He kicked it out to Maxi. They immediately flowed right into a dribble handoff. Maxi bangs down a three. Everything is just moving so fluidly compared to the last, you know, really as long as Doc's been the coach, um, but especially with James Harden there, where it's just slow methodical, ISO, ISO, pick and roll, pick and roll. There's movement, there's cutting, there's flow. And it's just nice to watch Joel Embiid play in a situation. As you and I talked about this summer with the vision for what we hoped it could be, this is like beyond what I could have hoped for, to be honest with you, man, with Embiid in, in space, playing with cutters and movement and shooting. So for Philadelphia, whoever, whoever they target with those picks – uh, whether it's this offseason or next summer, like it, like it, to me, like now suddenly they're going into a situation with uh, MVP talent and Embiid, a potential All NBA guy and Maxi, if not an All Star. I'm buying it. The, the progress that we're seeing from him, he's improved every single year of his career in significant ways. It feels like another leap is happening. He's being empowered in, in this type of offense that capitalizes on all of his space ability to just uh, uh, attack space off the catch and how fast he is. It's it's. I think the Sixers uh, are suddenly in a position of optimism. Um, and that's not something I would have expected to have said, especially this well, early in the season. And way better for the wings. I mean, you know, Tobias Harris so just has much to be better. To, Harris has to be on cloud nine. Ubre has to be on cloud nine. It's like, so that's no what I'm saying. If, if if you go and get you a couple wings to go along with it, you can imagine. I mean, the, it generates open shots, and so that's why when we were talking about whether it's Heald or Jeremy Grant or Levine or any of those days that we talked about, like. It's a, it's, it's a very good opportunity for guys to be able to play within that because we're seeing guys that have really played above their head. And, and, and look, Tobias Harris has been better than the opportunities given to him. No matter what you think of him, and obviously his contract is high, but he's better than just standing around. Oh, no doubt about it. And, and, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, and that's, what and that's it. Like that's yeah. it. Like there, there was a play that I put in my article where like Embiid received the ball at the elbow, and it looked like it was going to flow into a dribble handoff with him and Maxi. But instead, Maxi set a little screen for Harris, yeah. who cut to the basket, 
and Embiid found him immediately off that screen, like an open layup opportunity. And that that's the type of stuff where Harris is, he's not just standing in the corner. He's being used in motion and movement, and this is the way that you capitalize on his greatest strengths. It just feels like this, like Embiid just won MVP, but then they got roasted in the playoffs. Jokic is the guy who goes on to win the finals and wins finals MVP. And Embiid had this great quote after his game this weekend where he was talking about how when Nurse was hired, this is one of the first things they talked about was their vision for the offense. And Embiid, without mentioning Jokic, pretty much just said, look at the last two teams that won the finals, the Nuggets and the Warriors. How do they win? With cutting, with movement, with the ball not sticking in guys' hands, with guys playing selfless basketball. And that's what it feels like the Sixers are doing right now. And part of that is James Harden's not there. Part of that is Nick Nurse actually is fully utilizing the talents of his teammates uh, of his of the roster. Something that Doc Rivers just didn't do in recent years. It was too stagnant under Doc. Uh, but Nurse is doing a good job, I feel like so far, and we'll see how it develops. It's gonna. What matters most is what Maury does with those picks. That's what's gonna make them a Finals contender or just a team that's a nice, fun playoff team. Um, but uh, I feel good about where Philly is right now. I think they come out as winners today. Uh, it's very rare that a deal is made that makes sense for both teams, like, completely. But the Clippers had to make this, had to take this risk. They had to do it. Like, you're just in this position. you got to do it. And the Sixers, like, they suddenly can deal next summer four first-round draft picks or three first-round draft picks before the deadline this year. Things get interesting for them. All right, so before this deal went down, we had decided we were going to do some second impressions because we did first impressions we, after we, we had seen. We, we want to do them today still? We want to yeah, do yeah, them today? Just, and, okay. You know what? We don't have to go super in-depth into any of them, but let's just kind of read them off, okay? All right. because Gri- Grizzlies. Whenever, Grizzlies hey, number one. You, go ahead. <laughs> no, never I, gonna... I, I, I'm setting you up, Chris. Tell me, oh, I tell, don't, I tell, don't... tell me why I should not be concerned about a team that is 0-4 with John Morant suspended for 25 games when their half-court offense right now is 26th in points per possession, according to Cleaning Glass. They were 11th last season, 4th the season before that. Everybody's competing for the playoffs in the Western Conference. And Ja doesn't come back for 25 games. They don't have a center. They just got Bismack Biombo. Who cares? Why should I not be concerned when a, over a quarter of the season they're going to be at without their star and that they're going to be at a really deep pole when the race is really, really competitive in the West? It's concerning. There's no question. It's a, it's a concerning start. I would tell you they're playing with new players, including two new point guards. They're five of their top what, eight guys are out of who they would have. And when you've lost, when you already were shorthanded and then you lost Luke Kennard to a concussion and you lost Santi Aldama to a sprained ankle to start off the season, there's a bridge too far. Like, I mean, how deep can you go before you have to start playing guys that should not be playing the amount of minutes that they're playing? Also, their offense is generating they the shots that they want to get. They have run into some buzzsaws. They, I mean, they got 24 threes knocked down on them by the Mavericks last night. They've also played shorthanded four games in six days, only one of which they were not favored in, which is what many would deem a schedule loss. And we have seen a lot of times where, like you saw, 
who was it? Oklahoma City or whoever it was get blasted. Like a lot of these teams that the first time they're playing three games in four days, it it isn't not it's not going their way. And so I would tell you when you've got five of your eight guys that you were going to go into the season with out and uh, with the Biombo thing, it's not about Biombo being as long as he can play with size and as long as he can be the guy next to Jaron Jackson that has to be worried about on the offensive glass, he will be able to have an impact on the team. Not because of what he does individually as much as the impact he has for somebody else. They just have to have somebody else big. They got one player that's playing over 6'8", Kevin. They're playing David Roddy at power forward or Zaire Williams at power forward. Like <laughs> You're giving me way more reasons to be worried. But Santi Aldama is going to be back, like, hopefully by the next game. Yeah, and, like, does this help me feel better about the fact that the Grizzlies have a crappy half-court offense and they're going to have tw- 25 games without John Morant? But if they've got, if they're shorthanded and lost to the Pelicans, the Nuggets, and the Mavericks. And, and the Wizards. No, no, no. But I'm saying, like, those are three of those losses. Three of them, you would not... Like, you think that's alarming? And, and, and they lost to, lose to the to Wizards. Those teams? And they lost to the Wizards, who got absolutely destroyed by the Pacers and the Celtics. But do you think that they should have beaten those teams given what they had to take to the game? No, which is the point that, okay. that, that it's concerning for a team that has finals hopes or at least deep playoff run hopes that they might be the nine seed and have but to if win two games. They're getting two of in the those plan. guys back. But if they're getting two of the rotation guys Chris, back. It's a, it's concerning. Twenty five games without John Morant when your half court offense stinks. The it's half court terrible. offense stinks with John Morant. Where have but, you been? But but it didn't it didn't last season. They were eleventh in half court offense. It was fourth the season before that. What? What? According to what? Goofystats.com? I said cleaning the glass. Bull, that's goofy. <laughs> I don't know how they're measuring that. Trust me. Okay. All, I mean, it was better than it is now. That's the bottom line. That it well, is, they've got a it new is, team. It, it, it is in the gutter right now. It's the bottom of the league at the moment. Well, look, they've got new players. And I know you Boston weirdos are so obsessed with smart and this whole thing not going well. Just give it time. Give it time. It's four games. Look, how about oh this? Gosh. How about this? How about this? You come to me. You come to me in a week. They play Utah, Portland, Portland. And you tell me if you're still concerned. Okay. How about that? Yeah, How about we'll, that? We'll see. Okay. I mean, is that fair? Yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe. If they're they, three and four? Like, uh, we'll see. Who? We'll see. Net, net, so, they, so they have Utah Wednesday, then Portland on Friday and Sunday. Look, next, next Monday night show, they have three more games. You're saying they'll be three and four. I think they will win at least two of those three. <laughs> okay, at least two of those three. Okay. Yeah. Well, look. Okay, hold so, on. Okay, now. so so, look, so it, they start it, it, the you, season. You had a hero. Two, and, no. two and five. Let's talk. All right. Let's talk about your Lakers. Okay. Because um, you're always you're always on their nuts. If, okay. Except for the hero, they had a heroic effort to come back. A heroic effort to come uh-huh. back against the Magic. Or else they would have been what? One and three? Yeah. Should we have... Is it panic time? I mean, is it? Is it panic time? I wouldn't say it's 
panic time Come because because their best player because their best player isn't suspended for twenty five games. We know Ja is out for twenty five games. He and, also has missed twenty five like most seasons. Okay, all right. So let's talk about like, the Lakers then. I think with the Lakers, one fifty. All right, we'll talk about the Lakers for a minute here. Austin Reeves looks like he lost his superpowers. Okay, he is he has been terrible to start the season. Doesn't matter how he's been used on ball, off ball. He's been absolutely terrible. Cam Reddish cannot continue getting minutes over Max Christie. I don't know what Darvin Ham is doing. Darvin Ham is making weird lineup choices at this point so far in the season. Like in in their game over the weekend, Rui Hachimura, who has not been good, had his best game. And yet he didn't play the final seven minutes of regulation. He didn't play at all at overtime. He just got benched for nothing. Their best lineup so far this season is LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Christian Wood. Those guys have only played 28 minutes together, the three of them. And in those 28 minutes, they have a 127 offensive rating, a 50 defensive rating, small sample size alert, but that's been their best lineup so far. Christian Wood needs to be playing over 30 minutes per game. They need to be playing with two bigs next to 80. It's working. It looks great. I think with Darvin Ham, like you just got to lean into that, roll with that. Austin Reeves needs to figure things out. Max Christie needs to play. Like get that dude off the bench. He's better than Cam Reddish with all due respect. Like Cam Reddish is not a good basketball player anymore. Doesn't offer a lot on offense. Christie's better. Some tweaks the Lakers will be okay. Here's what I'm going to tell you. And I'll tell you, like, we, we should have learned our lesson last year after 10 or 20 games. Let's come back and we could talk about a lot of these teams because when you make grand statements in the first, like, three, four, or five games of the season, a lot of times, and so I've told you that Memphis will be fine, just like I told you after an 0-4 start last year, Sacramento would be fine. It's the same deal. This happens every yeah, but, year. But Jaws out for twenty five games. That's that. That the point. The point of the concern is not that they they won't be fine at some point. It's that the fact that they're in a deeper hole in a Western Conference where like thirteen teams are competing for if the playoffs. You give them three more rotation players, which they will have back. It will be a different world. Three rotation players. They you sound like you Desmond sound like Bain you're, and Jaron Jackson. You sound like you're in denial about the fact that they're gonna that their half court offense stinks and that they are in a competitive Western Conference where they Kevin, might end up. Of course, it does. They're playing guys that shouldn't be playing. Yes, but they might end up the nine seed because of this beginning oh to the God. season. It's concerning because they're gonna win two four? of the four. I mean, not just zero and four, but zero and four, and then Jaws out for another twenty one games. And these other guys are already out. Like, yes, now, it's concerning. I love the change in everybody pivoting on this. Are they better without John Morant? Like, <laughs> make up your effing mind, people. Now they're dead because they don't have John Morant? But they might be better without John. Like, make up your mind. Which is it? Now they're dead. Come on. Give it time. Let okay. them get up. We'll give it. We'll give it time. I'll, I'll talk to you in a week. I look forward to seeing what their record is in a week after this easier schedule. Fair enough. They, sh- they, they should beat the Blazers. Uh, you know, like they they yeah, have not been should. good at all. Granted, they just got their first win last mm-hmm. night. Scoot has really really struggled, and I I hope he figures it out. It's a slow start. Not going to overreact. Look, if you're shorthanded and you play four games in six days. 
three of which were against good teams, might go bad. Go back and watch their Denver game and you tell me how concerned I should be. Because other teams have gotten their ass kicked by Denver. They're right there. I mean, again, they got to figure some things out for sure. Um, all right, here's here here. I'm just gonna run through my four. The player participation thing is going great. <laughs> yeah, great job by the NBA. Huh? Showed up to the <laughs> arena last night, and they're like, Kyrie Irving's not playing. I'm like, why? Why? He wasn't even. Uh, I guess he has a sprain in his foot, of which wasn't even talked about until like 1:30 yesterday. Now, now is it is it possible? That Kyrie is actually hurt, and here and here's why. Of course it is, be, be, because because he's shooting seventeen percent from three. He's shooting only fifty percent from within three feet of the basket. A career low. Like I know, yes, it's small, possible. Small sample size, but the dude's not scoring. He hasn't been scoring. There might be something up. Of course there could be. Yeah. Of course there could be. Yeah. I just found it unbelievable. There was nothing on the injury report the day before. Yes. An hour before the game. An hour before. And then they say, yep, he's not playing. Like, bro, if you've got a sprained foot, you knew you weren't playing a day ago. Like, it's just weird. This is why the NFL has such issues with situations like uh, B. John Robinson with the, with the Atlanta Falcons a couple right. weeks ago. Because with the gambling aspects, you need, you, your injury report needs to be a- accurate. Right, That's and right. so the the NBA like not having Kyrie Irving on there at all at all, and then suddenly he's out. That screws the fans over attending games. But from a gambling perspective, I mean, what the heck? Like, where's the information? You need to be accurate here. Here the uh, so that it sucks. It, it was by the third game of the season that I went to that one of the stars was out. It's so um, funny. <laughs> it's unbelievable. All right, the other ones I had. Well, were, uh, well and for us last Thursday, <laughs> it was the first Thursday night of the season that our pod plans were uh, kind of uh, uh, changed a little bit. Uh, I'm just gonna we'll, list them off. Uh, Denver has the goods again. I saw them in person. Yep. They're my they're my they're my new finals pick in the West over the Lakers. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so. Uh, Peyton Watson, special defender, special. Calvin Booth, spot on, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Uh, Watson was on. He he made three or four just ridiculous plays, and I and, and I did not see the game, but I'm told he made life hell for uh, Gildas Alexander as well in their Thunder game. Yeah, um, dude. Peyton Watson looks unbelievable. I mean, yeah. I, I, I think I think that uh, that Nuggets article I wrote earlier this month, um, Calvin Booth was spot on about Peyton Watson. He brought him up unprovoked in our conversation, and so did Christian Brown. I didn't plan on asking a lot about Peyton Watson, but those guys were like, Peyton Watson's ready for to have a big year, and like it's proving to be true. Yeah, the more you irritate me, the more I start to like Calvin Booth. Um, <laughs> it should be, it'd be a really, it'd be really interesting to see how many of the rookies are on good teams. I wrote down because we have had like a swell of rookies, but it feels like a lot of these teams are kind of loaded up with vets now. And I think it may be, and, the, and it, for years and years, rookies were always on bad teams. And I feel like we're kind of back to that. Like we had rookies kind of really contributing, sometimes starting. Like, even last year, top four seed had Keegan Murray starting for him. Whereas, I think I think it's going to be fewer this year. Like, good teams with rookies that are actually in their rotation. And I think we could have a, a less rookies playing playoff minutes than we have had recently. 
That's what I'd say. Because I do think most of them uh, that are going to be able to be able to do that are, are not on as good of teams this year. And then the last one is I feel great about my magic pick still. Loved what I've seen so far. Mm-hmm. Almost had a win against the Lakers uh, yesterday. Uh, but, yeah, really like re- really like that. And I've, I've been pleased thus far. All right, what did you have? Uh, I mean, we talked about Memphis. We talked about the Lakers. I said Christian yep. Wood should be playing more. Of course, um, you love Christian Wood. Let's go with uh, Brandon Miller looking like the right choice. Um, you know, I had him ranked second last November. Uh, stuck with that from the pre-draft process, March and beyond. You know, Scoot Henderson still could pan out very well. I'm not going to overreact to his terrible start. But Brandon Miller, I mean, he's looking excellent for Charlotte. He's got in three games, 13 points, 17 points, 22 points. He's shooting over 40% on over three point th- five three-point attempts per game. He's getting to the basket. He's He brought back the mid-range just like I said he would because he was a mid-range player in high school. He's rebounding. He's playing solid defense. He's picking up foul trouble in part because he is competing on ball. He's getting some rookie whistles. He had, had a chase down block the other night. Brandon Miller looks like a really good two-way player. He uh, In Charlotte's last game, I thought he was the best player on the floor. For the Hornets, he's looking like the right. Well, pick. and and he like Chet is getting to fit in, right? The other yep. guys, Wimby and Scooter, on crap teams. Yeah, right. All right, and then and then the last one is just the the Wolves. You know, them blowing their second half lead to the Hawks last night. Uh, absolute embarrassment. Um, that they need some changes, but we'll talk more about them. I'm sure later in the week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, the only other thing is, I I obviously like. Um, it was unbelievable to see uh, a team with such amazing chemistry have the problems they had against the Warriors last night. I, I love I love how Trey Murphy. Pel- on the Pelicans like you. No, the Pelicans team account. <laughs> I've never of all the things I've said on the mismatch, saying that a team like had some weird chemistry, like with the starting lineup. Um, like it turned into like the most unbelievable, horrible thing you could say about somebody. But it was good to see them all rally together last night while Steph Curry was pissing on their collective heads. Gonna be crazy but, when the Pelicans end up with a better record than the Grizzlies, huh? I know. Oh, you said that last year. Remember how'd that work out for you? <laughs> how did it? I can't remember. How did that work out? <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> I couldn't remember. I was I was watching the the Grizzlies Lakers. I can't remember. Uh, I mean, maybe this will be the year, Chris. We'll see. We'll see. One day it'll go your way. All right. Thank you to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. And Kevin, I'll talk to you later this week. Have a good week. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step 53342 in Arizona. Call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. Call one 800 
1-800-9 with it in Indiana. Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. Call 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Or call 1-877-8-HOPE. Hope NY or text Hope NY in New York.